Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Bergen, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with William Santana Lee. Bill Lee is the chairman and CEO of Nightscope and is a seasoned entrepreneur and former corporate executive at Ford Motor Company. He was the founder and COO of Greenleaf, which became the world's second largest automotive recycler and holds a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from Carnegie Mellon University and an MBA from University of Detroit Mercy. His long-term ambition is to make the United States of America the safest country in the world, changing everything for everyone. Bill, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Hey, thanks for having us, Fred. Greetings from Silicon Valley. Bill, I'm amazed as to the technology, being an old cop and special agent. Um, how did you go about figuring this out, putting robots into play? Well, I think for your audience, it, it might be interesting to to provide a little background, if I may. Um, I, I think, um, given your law enforcement experiences, I, I think you know our, our country is kind of set up in a very odd way, uh, where we the country is set up to provide our soldiers every level of capability you might ever imagine. There's one person in charge, a Secretary of Defense, nearly an $800 billion budget. And there's a Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman, a Raytheon, a Boeing to build whatever a soldier might need in a, in a theater of war. That doesn't happen on our own soil, which is infuriating and also where the opportunity uh, lies. The U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security effectively have no federal jurisdiction over nearly 19,000 law enforcement agencies and 8,000 private security firms. There's literally no one in charge. There's no innovation process. There's no risk capital. And that's why in the year 2022, we effectively have security guards, you know, sitting out in the parking lot with a number two pencil and a notepad. And that has got to stop. Um, so what we did starting in um, actually April of 2013, so we just uh, celebrated our ninth anniversary, which is a miracle, by the way, you know, 95% of startups fail. It was to just sit back and go, how could we provide officers and guards, you know, additional tools for them to be able to do their jobs much, much more. Uh, effectively, and if we can provide a physical deterrence and and unprecedented situational awareness, could they have their eyes, ears, and voice on the ground in multiple locations at the same time? And one of the reasons to do that is may not be popular, but there's just not enough officers and guards to secure the country. No, I don't. Some someone forgot to do basic math. Um, there are about a million guards in the country, about a million officers. They're running 24-7. You can't triple shift the human. So you need pretty much four people for every post, uh, quote unquote, or every patrol. So at any given time, you've only got 500,000 people trying to secure 328 million Americans across 50 states. That's just a, a ludicrous ratio. And so what we need to do is figure out how we're going to put 
a million of these security robots out there to help the million law enforcement officers and professionals and the million security guards. And so, you know, criminals and terrorists don't care um, how something works or what have you. It's a really complicated set of technologies, but now we've got it working uh, across the country. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And I know firsthand uh, when it comes to shortages and just the threat that's out there, Bill, when you started looking at this technology, did you dream of the concept of robots? I mean, I think everybody starts thinking of uh, something out of Star Wars. No, we start, well, a, a, a couple of things have, you know, drove me. One, as a former automotive executive, I, I think and believe self-driving technology, autonomous technology is going to turn the world upside down. I'm just in violent disagreement on the path to commercialize it. Uh, second, I was, I was born in New York City. Someone hit my town on 9-11. I'm still profoundly pissed off about it. So I'm dedicating the rest of my life to better securing the country. And I, I don't, I'm not a roboticist. I get criticized for that. Like, hey, he's, who, why is that guy running a robotics company? Well, we're an advanced physical security technology company. Criminals and terrorists don't care that you work on robots or whatever. We're just trying to figure out whatever is the best solutions that it's going to fix our client's problem, meaning the country's. Um, so wasn't sitting around dreaming up about robots or whatever silliness is on the Hollywood you know, big screen. It was, okay, how can we combine you know, autonomous self-driving technology, robotics, AI, and electric vehicles into something that will fix the problem uh, as opposed to, hey, I, I've got a cool robot. We need to kind of figure out how to build one. Yeah, and I applaud you for that. Uh, you know, leveraging these kinds of physical security tools is uh, most certainly the future, and and we certainly need those. And in just looking and examining your website, and I've been following you on social media for a long time now, it appears that uh, your K5 model, the outdoor version, is kind of like your flagship. Can you explain that to our listening audience? Yeah, a lot of folks, you know, ask us stuff that, you know, they think the criminal activity is usually, you know, indoors. Uh, most of our business is actually outdoors. Um, you know, I, I like to poke uh, a little bit of fun at our, I'll just give you a crude example um, at the airport. You know, our, our friends over at the TSA spend an ungodly amount of dollars and resources and brain cells trying to secure the facility, meaning the airport interior itself, but spend nearly zero dollars making sure that the suspect, the criminal, or the terrorist never get in the building in the first place, meaning why didn't you secure the property, you know, just adjacent to it, i.e. very simply the parking lots. Um, and you know, a lot of silliness goes on uh, outdoors, and there's just not, again, not enough humans to be able to to cover all uh, that ground. Um, so, for a lot of cases, um, at casinos, at hospitals, airports, rail, commercial real estate, corporate campuses, manufacturing plants, logistics facilities, the the Nightscope K5 autonomous security robot has been a, a very popular choice. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontic's Center for Protective Intelligence. 
In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. This is why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. You know, Bill, uh, I'm fascinated by listening to that explanation because it was very similar to how we developed our counter-surveillance program in support of protective intelligence when we started pushing out our protective details because we realized uh, after tragedy, tragedy after tragedy that uh, we had to get outward from the inner circle to look at the threats before it materializes. And it sounds like that's exactly what um, your robots and your technology does. Yeah, and, and the accountability is also the problem. I mean, I don't believe the founders of our country ever expected us to build a society where going to school, going to work, or going to movie theater literally came with the risk of being shot or killed. I mean, that's just, I'm sorry, not acceptable. Um, crime has, you know, from some estimates, a, a $2 trillion negative economic impact on the, on the country every single year. I mean, talk about a hidden tax that we all pay in blood, tears, and treasure. And when someone shoots up a school, a synagogue, um, a movie theater, or a Navy yard, like who gets fired? No one, because no one's accountable. And part of it's not just the accountability, but just not having the tools to, to do their jobs properly. Like we would never, ever, I mean, you ever walk by a law enforcement patrol vehicle? I'm sure you have, right? You would never dare put a soldier in one of those things, right? It's basically a rental car with some stuff crazy glued and Velcro to it. Like, this is a national embarrassment. But again, there's no accountability. Bill, I've seen on your website that uh, the deployment of your robots around facilities show an amazing figure, a 46% decrease in reported crime. No, 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 Fred, you misread that. You didn't, you didn't get the media talking point. The robots are here to come <laughs> kill everyone and take everyone's <laughs> job. I, I don't know where you're getting this kind of false data. But yeah, just kidding. If you go to nightscope.com uh, and go to the crime page, you can see a massive amount of positive impact. And we're just getting started that these robots have had on society. Um, in some cases, you know, this is not our data. This is a law enforcement agency's data, you know, pre-COVID. Uh, had the machine deployed and effectively, uh, from almost every look at it, uh, cut crime in half in the area that we were patrolling. And the only thing that changed was put the robot there. And part of it is just the physical deterrence, right? Folks that don't spend time on law enforcement and security, you know, it's the simple way I try to explain it is you're driving down the highway. I don't care what speed you're doing. If you see a patrol car on the side of the road, you're going to pump those brakes or at least look down at your speedometer. It's just a natural human reflex. Or if I put a, you know, marked law enforcement vehicle in front of your home or your office, criminal behavior will change. And so a lot of folks end up asking us like, why are the machines so big? And I'm like, okay, well, if you're a, so, someone wanting to do something nefarious, like, at, um, I don't know, 
a hospital parking lot and um, you pull up and it's three o'clock in the morning, you want to go steal a car and you see a five foot tall, 400 pound machine roaming around on its own. There's no one that you can see is remote controlling it. The strobe light's going. It says security on the side. It's making some weird patrol sound. You have absolutely no idea what it does. You are going to steal that car somewhere else. And just being there, that physical presence can stop a lot of negative behavior. And that's what we've been seeing in in the marketplace. Bill, where is your primary industries? Are you kind of all over the map when it comes to this? Two answers for you, Fred. I, I think today, you know, we do well in. I mean, maybe half a dozen verticals or so. So, you know, casinos, the ones I mentioned earlier, casinos, healthcare, uh, manufacturing, logistics, commercial real estate, corporate campuses, law enforcement agencies, and, and government. Um, and then, I, I, you know, we're working through um, <laughs> a little bit of a nightmare two-year cybersecurity review with the U.S. federal government. Um, I, I think we're going to be able to help in the federal space in a, in a significant way. Um, but long-term, Fred, the answer has to be literally what you just said, all over the map. You know, criminals and terrorists don't care that you're really good in casinos or you're really good at hospitals. Like if you're serious about the mission, which is our crazy mission is to see if we can make the U.S. the safest country in the world, we're going to have to have a very wide and deep portfolio of technologies to literally be everywhere, right? Securing the underpass of a bridge is very different than securing, uh, I don't know, an ATM vestibule for a, uh, a financial services client, right? But we, if we're serious about the mission, we're going to have to, quote unquote, be everywhere. Bill, having spent a lot of time in command posts and GSOCs around uh, the country and at special events, whether it be Olympics or peace conferences or United Nations General Assemblies, are your robots operated out of those individual GSOCs or do you have like a night scope 24 by 7 operation that that runs these? Ooh, multiple answers, Fred, there. Um, I guess the first thing I'll say, some people will snicker and some might roll their eyes, some might get infuriated, but you know, having a, a couple of humans staring at 40 screens is kind of a waste of time. You know, the humans will clock out about eight minutes into it. That's not what humans are good at. So we need to get that mindset out of that soccer, that G soccer, or what have you. Humans are really good at decision making and enforcement, not in reviewing effectively data. Um, so we need the machines to do the monotonous, computationally heavy stuff that no human can do and let the humans do the decision making and, and enforcement. Um, so they, the machines run autonomously. Um, so there's no one remote controlling them. Um, and then the alerts, depending on the, what kind set up, um, those are also automated. Um, so no one's having to sit there and, you know, watch the robot or whatever. Um, I guess similar to your home security system, right? You're not sitting there all night long looking at your video screens. If you get an alert, that's when you do something that, you know, you might have an intruder. Um, another way to answer your question is uh, we have a, a KNOC or Nightscope Network Operations Center. It's a staffed uh, 24-7 by us that monitors the health of the machines across the country. 
no different than, I don't know, Verizon or AT&T making sure the network's up. Uh, we're also making sure, you know, all the machines and network are operating. And then lastly, we have a lot of incoming clients that don't have a SOC. Like they don't have 24-7 security. So I don't know, your HOA or your uh, local apartment complex, the community manager, the property manager there doesn't have a SOC and a full staff, right? Um, so we'll, we'll offer them something we call Nightscope Plus. Uh, so we can have former law enforcement and military professionals uh, do the security work on their behalf. Uh, so that's kind of a multi-pronged answer for you. Yeah, very robust uh, in place. Uh, that's uh, most interesting. Now, do you see the future of this technology moving into, let's say, some sort of, uh, or is it uh, connected, or can it be connected to, let's say, drone patrols? So I, I unfortunately have had the same answer for several years. Um, drones, in this use case, are, in my opinion, are not ready for prime time. You know, in very specific edge cases, maybe a pipeline or something. But it, you need to kind of think about how this works. So, depending on how much you want to pay through the nose, you know, the 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 drone can stay up in the air like what five minutes, twenty minutes, fifty minutes. Um, because of that, they can't carry a lot of different sensor payload. So basically, you can't do a lot of edge computing. You don't have enough compute power uh, on the device. So you're kind of great. I have a camera. Uh, data transfer can be a problem. Um, folks are working on these issues, don't get me wrong. Um, most drones can't robustly, autonomously recharge. Uh, I don't have clients sitting around waiting you know, for the drone to come back. And you know, have you ever seen two officers try to you know, get a drone out, up, and then back down, and then back up again? It's actually a comedy show. Um, and then, uh, lastly, in, in most cases, it's not legal to fly. So uh, other than that, yeah, they're, they're all good to go. I think in the next three, five, 10 years, all those issues will get addressed one way or another. And then you'll likely see uh, a drone flying out of one of our machines when needed. Uh, you know, we heard a gunshot. We need aerial reconnaissance right now. Uh, up you go. Um, and then come back down and autonomously recharge. But that's on the very, very long-term technology roadmap. Like, there's still a lot of basic work that needs to get done. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, you made me think of something, Bill. Do you have gunshot detection with your robots? On the, on the to-do list, uh, we call it something a little bit different, uh, acoustic event detection. So we, it, it, there is no technological reason uh, why we can't teach the machines to learn for, uh, you know, listen for the, oh, someone screaming, someone yelling help, a gunshot, glass breaking, a car starting, car door slamming, you know, all those little acoustic events for a detective or for an officer, you know, and with a timestamp and the sound localized, meaning which direction did it come from, that can be extremely valuable in the moment or after the fact. Um, so that's on the on the very long to-do list. Yeah, that's uh, simply amazing. Where do you see the future of this industry going? If you had to look at uh, Nightscope uh, five years from now, where will it be? Um, so as a publicly traded company CEO now, I you know 
we don't provide projections or earnings guidance. I can tell you kind of, I planning to spend the next two or three decades of my life uh, making sure we can try our hardest to achieve the the mission um, and see if we can make the U.S. the safest country in the world. And I think you're going to possibly need to do two things. One is you're going to, on x-axis, you're going to need a very wide portfolio of technologies and form factors, as we discussed earlier, from extra, extra small to extra, extra large. And then on the y-axis, you're going to need uh, an ability for each machine to basically see, feel, hear, and smell and do 100 times more than a, than a human could ever possibly do. And then, then there's a tipping point. At some point in time, uh, you know, we offer the technology on a machine as a service business model. It's very cost effective depending on the machine. You know, it's an effective price of three to nine dollars an hour. So, you know, at some point, Fred, it, it becomes uh, questionable not to have the autonomous security robot at your premises, right? If you're a real estate developer today, you wouldn't be allowed to build a building without a smoke detector or a fire alarm or something like that, right? It would be actually pretty ludicrous to even bring that up. At some point in time, after we've, you know, now that we've proven this works in, in the real world at, at small volumes, uh, at scale, at some point, some insurance company, some litigator, somebody's going to turn around and go, let me get this straight. You didn't want to pay the seven bucks an hour and you allowed this particular awful activity to happen on your premises. It's, it's going to be untenable. Um, but it's going to take some time. You know, the country's over 200 years old. We're in our, you know, 46 presidents. The first role of government is to secure its citizens. And somehow we sit here with a 200 plus year old problem and no one's fixed it. And anyone who thinks that we're going to fix it in the next 10 minutes or overnight is, you know, delusional. This is going to take some time. Uh, it took a long time to get into this mess. It's going to take a long time to get out. But now, you know, we have proven that it can work. Uh, now it's just to, to scale it up. Bill, is there anything that uh, I haven't asked you that you would like to say? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think it's very naive and um, arrogant to think that we're going to be able to achieve this mission on our own. You know, right before the public listening, we had, I don't know, well over 35,000 investors. Um, I think we need to work together to turn those tens of thousands of supporters of Nightscope into literally millions. Um, and if there are opportunities from your listeners that, hey, I, this particular location could use Nightscope's technology and here's the decision maker, you know, send folks over to nightscope.com, um, sign them up for a demo. Um, and, you know, we're happy to spend the time and see if there might be an opportunity for us to be helpful. If, if we can't help you, we'll tell you. Um, the other is just to get acquainted with the technology. Um, go to the Roadshow page. We've got this crazy pod that's running around the country. I, I call it the Robot Aquarium. But basically, it's a bunch of robots uh, in a humongous uh, glass case uh, roaming around the, the country. And we're making stops uh, in different locations and trying to hit every state we can. Um, if you want to check out the schedule, just go to nightscope.com slash roadshow. Um, I think we're heading up to the Midwest here uh, shortly. And, um, you know, been, I think, through 20 or 30 stops uh, just uh, already. 
And in, you know, in this kind of pandemic-y, you know, COVID-palooza era, um, we'd love to kind of see folks, you know, face-to-face all the time. We, we can't. Um, so we came up with this um, robot roadshow that allows folks to interact with the machines after they've gotten a demo uh, virtually. They can now come and see, touch, feel, and, you know, our, our executives are, are there remotely uh, to be able to walk a prospective client or mayor or chief of police or sheriff uh, through the technology. And it's been really effective and gets real, you know, folks really excited, you know, it, robots, for whatever it's worth, ends up bringing the kid out of everyone. Um, I'll, I'll wrap it up, Fred, with a funny story. We uh, spent a, 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 over the last year, we've talked to numerous, numerous federal government agencies. And uh, we ended up uh, at the end of last year, brought the pod over to um, Washington, D.C. Um, at the Ronald Reagan building and had all those same folks uh, come to the pod and get to see the robots in real life. It's just so funny. You get all these kind of very serious, you know, uh, straight-laced folks all, all of a sudden doing selfies, robot selfies, and, you know, you know, wanting to share their kids. And it's, it's just funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, check it out. Um, and you can sign up and, and check out the, the robots in, uh, in real life. Well, thanks so much, Bill. We really appreciate you being on the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Right. Appreciate it. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.